Well, good morning. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. I'm excited to be here. It's great to be at church, isn't it? Um, but do you ever feel like sometimes you just had like a rough week or a hard week? Well, I felt a bit like that today. And you know when the preachers had a hard week, you know it's going to be good on Sunday. <laughs> so I am so excited. Do you know what day it is today? It's Sunday. Sunday is the day of resurrection. Sunday is the day, like, if you're feeling defeated today, today is the day of victory. If you're feeling tired, today is the day of refreshment. Strength is coming. So God wants to meet with us today. And so when our lives are touched by him, we can never be the same again. Would you believe this with me today? Yeah, well, guys, let's pray and then we'll get going. Father, I thank you we get to come here into your presence. God, I thank you, Lord, we've heard that Jesus, you are here. When your people are gathered, Lord, we, we are in need of you today. We need your amazing grace. We need your love. We need your presence. We need your peace in us. And so, Lord, may our hearts be open to what you want to say. God, have your way. So, Lord, as we, as we look at the scriptures, as we look at Jesus, who you are, Lord, may our hearts be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, we're part of a series at the moment. I think it is amazing. Jesus is a journey in John's gospel. And it's a journey because we're getting to know someone better. So I've loved it so far. Um, I'm excited because, you know, as you focus on something or, you know, as you hang out with people, you become more like them. And so as we focus on Jesus, that means as a church, we're going to become more like Jesus. And that's what we need. And that's what Edinburgh needs as well. So our theme today is Jesus is baptizer. He is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to cover quite a bit today, um, but you may still have questions after this. Um, a few months ago in our Acts series, we did a whole message on what is it to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but at the end, we're going to have opportunity to be prayed for, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be refreshed, to be uh, renewed. And we're going to have leaders before, not before the end of the service. So during the last song, leaders are going to be here at the front. And during the last worship song, come if you want to be and prayed for. So week one, we looked at Jesus is the word. Week two, we looked at Jesus is full of grace. And these two are the foundations of John's gospel. And these are the foundations for today. So we're at John 1, verse 19. So if you've got your Bibles, would you turn there? And it'll be on the screen behind me as well, if you want to read it off there. So we're at verse 19. So we've looked at the first 18 verses in the last couple of weeks. And it's a little bit like Star Wars, obviously. Um, the, the first 18 verses are like the introduction to Star Wars, where you've got the, uh, the introduction scrolling back on the screen. And then at the end of that, there's a camera that pans around to what's happening on the ground. And this is a little bit like this. We've had the credits rolling, the, uh, the passage, and understanding what the background is. Now we're zooming in to on-the-ground stuff. So John chapter 1, verses 19 to 34. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, 
No. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, oh, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Amen. Awesome. So this passage we've read is about who John the Baptist is saying that Jesus is. John was a significant man. He was a son of a priest. He was a, a Levite. But he didn't really live like that. So John lived out in the desert. He had clothes made out of camel hair. Uh, he ate locusts and wild honey. Probably like the first hipster before there was hipsters. So he was well respected. Uh, he was a prophet uh, in the nation of Israel. And he carries authority and his words have weight. And so John makes a statement about Jesus. He says that I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So a question, why did John say this about Jesus? You think about it, he, he could have chosen hundreds of different titles to say about Jesus. Yet he chooses one that says, that Jesus is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This was one of the first ever things publicly said about Jesus. So why is it so prominent? Why is it here? Um, So let's look at two signposts that point to Jesus. And the first one is this, prophecy. It identifies Jesus as the Messiah to the Jewish people. So we're privileged to have the Bible in our hands or on our phones or on our tablets. Uh, But the Jewish people uh, had uh, just the Old Testament And the Old Testament is full of prophecies about the coming Messiah. They were waiting for him. And so the Pharisees knew this. They sent people to John to ask him, you know, why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah? And so let me read a few prophecies from the Old Testament about uh, the Spirit coming on the Messiah. So Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 42, verse one. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. 
Also in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So John's grown up knowing the Old Testament. The Jewish people have grown up knowing the Old Testament. They've heard these many times. They know that the Messiah will be filled with the spirit of God. Also John's been told by God that this is how he's gonna recognize the Messiah, the savior of the people. He says that God had told him, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water, which was God, told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. See, the spirit remained on Jesus at his baptism. And usually in the Old Testament, the spirit came and, and for short periods of time to be on prophets and they would speak a message to the people. But John, the only thing John knew was that the spirit would come and rest and remain The Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove and remains on Jesus. Uh, John's gospel doesn't uh, necessarily record the exact moment this happened, just as John saw it. But the other three gospels do. Matthew uh, 3, verse 16 and 17, uh, describing Jesus' baptism. as, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove alighting on him and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased and so the Holy Spirit comes remains dwells settles on Jesus see God's plan from the very beginning was that God wants to dwell with his people we see that way back at the start in the Garden of Eden that God is walking with man and yet along the way man broke this connection with God. Sin entered into this world. And naturally we don't have this connection with God. But God's desire was still, I want to be with my people. I want to dwell with my people. I want to remain with my people. And the only way that was possible was for Jesus to come. God himself in man, in man's form. Fully God, fully man. And Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty that we made for, for the separation between us and God. And now we can know him. We can know God. We can live our lives knowing him, the creator of the universe. That is awesome. And so the question for you today is, do you know him? Have you got this relationship with God today? And, and maybe you do. Uh, maybe you, you're, you feel close to God. Maybe you don't. Maybe you feel like, oh, I feel so away from God. Maybe you've never had that connection with him. And at the end, we'll, we'll have an opportunity for prayer. And there'll be an opportunity if you want to say, okay, I want that relationship with him. Then today can be your day. You can start walking, doing life with him. And so John identifies the Messiah to the Jewish people. He's saying, guys, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. He is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. They've been waiting centuries for this guy. And so John is making an incredibly bold statement to the people. So the first sign of the, in this passage is the prophecies in the Old Testament. For me, I had a question about this. So why then does John baptize if Jesus is the one that's going to do the baptisms? So as John baptizes, it's also a signpost to Jesus. Uh, John 1 verse 31. Uh, John speaking. I myself did not know him. But the reason that I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. 
See, when we think of the word baptism, uh, maybe we think sort of of religion, of church. Um, that's sort of what it's associated with. Uh, baptism really represents change. Uh, last week we had a baptism pool here and some, several people got baptized, representing change. You know, uh, they were dying to their old self, being raised in Christ. It's an awesome step. If you've never been baptized with water, really take that today to consider that as a next step in your faith. And baptism is different this side of the cross. When John was baptizing, they didn't know about the cross. They didn't know about the resurrection. And so what does it mean? Well, how does John's baptism point people to Jesus? So baptism at the time happened, but it wasn't for Jews. It was for Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish, but they wanted to follow the Jewish ways. And so what happened is that the Gentiles would come, they're like, okay, I know I recognize you know, I, I'm a sinner, I, I want to become a Jew. And so they'd get baptized as a ceremonial washing, um, being baptized underwater. And so it represented uncleanness. But John's baptizing Jews. In Matthew chapter three, verses five to six, it says, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. So this was slightly controversial because through baptism, John was saying that even Jews themselves, the the chosen people, the good people, the religious people had to also be cleansed, had also to be forgiven for their sin. And so John was pointing at a human problem. He's pointing to a sin problem, this disconnect that we have with God, this spiritual cancer that's eating away at us And the only solution is Jesus. See, even good people need Jesus. So I've got friends, I've got family, maybe you have colleagues. You're like, they seem to be okay actually without God. Maybe they seem, do they actually? I'm trying to tell them, but they don't seem to care or they don't seem to want to know anything. If I'm honest, I'm like, they don't seem to need them. I know I need them, but is that just me or is that... (laughs) But actually, every single person needs God, needs a savior. You see, every religion would probably agree, actually, something's wrong with our world. However, the thing is that instead of, for Christianity, instead of working towards something, God has come towards us instead and given us everything that we need in Jesus. John points to Jesus as the solution It says in verse 29 that the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so the only solution was for a sacrifice, but it wasn't a sacrifice that we could make. We're not perfect, but Jesus was perfect and he could make that sacrifice and he would be the the sacrifice that was once and for all permanently filling that role and it's the a solution provided by God himself and we trust in him for that and so the purpose of John baptizing was to point people to the cross point people to Jesus and so John has just been obedient to what God had told him to do baptize with water and through that he would recognize and point people to Jesus the emphasis throughout all of this is on Jesus John was saying look guys I'm the water guy He's the God guy. See, I'm the voice, 
but he is the message. I'm unworthy to, to untie his sandals, but he's the king. You know, I'm just the baptizer in water. He is the baptizer in the spirit. He was before me. He ranks infinitely above me. John is exalting Christ as the one who baptizes with the spirit. See, there's a difference between immersion in fluid and immersion in God. Temporary versus permanent. See, John's baptism was a ceremonial cleansing. But Jesus' baptism creates inner renewal, stuff that we can't get to by our own works. So our world is constantly looking for solutions. You know, different diets, different things come and go, trying to make our lives better. Something that will fulfill us. But you know, there's something that will help us through the hard times and persevere and to live life to the full. And it's Jesus. And so we can try and wash stuff off our lives, try and change our habits, but it doesn't last. We don't need to be made better. We need to be made alive. See, Jesus is the one. And he's identified as the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Like water we can understand, right? Like, here it is, water. H2O. Obviously, John didn't know that, but it's fine. Um, But we can put it in a lab and we can analyze it. But we can't do that with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Fully God. There are loads of different names used for him in the Bible. Uh, Let me just read some out for you. That he's the comforter, the advocate, counselor, that if you need counseling, you can go to Destiny College, but you can also come to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> or both. Right. Uh, he's the deposit of our inheritance. He's our guide. He's our intercessor, praying for us, uh, revealer of truth, our teacher, witness, the Spirit of God. And at the baptism of Jesus, there's a, this physical manifestation of a dove coming down from heaven. See, God comes, that's his journey. We can't get to heaven, but God comes from heaven down to earth. And it's such a beautiful picture of a dove. Like, pigeons are minging. (laughs) Like, there's loads in Edinburgh. Um, But doves are beautiful. They're peaceful. They're they're kind. There's a sort of a humility with them. Uh, In Leviticus, there was a sacrifice of a dove, and it was for those who couldn't afford more expensive sacrifice. There's something about the humility there. And the Holy Spirit isn't about himself. He isn't like, look at me, look at me. He's like, the Holy Spirit always points us to Christ. And so Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Okay, cool. I'm glad we've got it. Sweet. Well, it's as simple as that. It's a biblical term. Uh, Throughout the Bible, we see many different types of baptism, actually. Um, And the uh, Bible mentions two baptisms you can't see with your physical eye. You can only sort of see the after effects in their life. So the first one is baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you probably already know what that is, maybe by a different name. It's salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says this, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. 
So in this verse, who's doing the baptizing? It's the Holy Spirit. And so when you and I experience salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes into the body, into Christ. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's not baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the second baptism is is water baptism, which is the one that we we can see. And we choose to experience this second baptism. Uh, This one is in water. Um, You know, this is the type of baptism Jesus was talking about when he says, go into all the nations, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This baptism symbolizes our new life in Christ. And then we come to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism described in our passage today in John 1. Also the one in Matthew 3, Acts 1, uh, throughout the book of Acts as well, that Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So perhaps a, a visual illustration of what that is or what it could mean might help us. So I brought some jars with me. See, there's a, the source of uh, the word baptism comes from a, a Greek word, baptizo. And so both John uh, the Baptist and Jesus uses this word, uh, baptizo. And so in, the, in this, uh, these verses, this word baptizo is used. Um, there's also a similar word in Greek uh, called bapto. And it's really important for us to understand the difference between these two words. Both of them mean to, to dip, to immerse. But Matthew and Luke and John, these guys, they choose to use baptizo rather than bapto for a very specific reason. So today, I thought we could be really healthy, and I have brought cucumbers to church. Exactly what you were expecting, I know. So cucumbers are, look like this, but usually a bit bigger, but I've got small ones. And uh, you can put them in your salads. Uh, apparently now you can put them in your waters, and it makes water healthier. <laughs> apparently. And so when we're thinking of this word baptism uh, and bapto and baptizo, there was a, uh, a, a Greek poet and doctor called Nicander in about 200 BC. And he wrote a recipe about making pickles. And so the, in order to make the pickle, the vegetable, the cucumber, first needs to be dipped, first needs to be bapto, in boiling water, so it softens it, so it makes it ready for the next stage. And then it is baptized, baptizo, in vinegar. See, both verbs are about dipping. But it's important for us to understand the context. One is bapto, and one is baptizo. Do Do you see the difference? Keep going, keep going, right. So once, yeah? Okay, and then, yeah? Okay, great. I've got a whole bag of them, so... (laughs) We could keep going all morning. Uh, Where were we? Um, So it's important for us to understand the difference between uh, our English word baptism, the baptizo and bapto. And see, when you put it into the vinegar, what happens to the cucumber? It transforms into pickles. There we go. And so if we just leave that for a few weeks, it'll be here next week, 
um, then you can come and collect some pickles. Um, but we understand as it not went in the bapto, but in the baptizo, that the cucumber changes form, changes character, changes nature into something different. And you don't put this in your water to drink it and be healthier. You put it in your burger. <laughs> On a side note, I really don't like these. So if you want to come and get them after, I will give them to you for free or for a small cost. So baptism in the Holy Spirit is not, is not bapto. It, it, the word is used, it's baptizo. It's when you encounter God, when you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a change. You can never be the same again. It, you, do you mess up? No. Uh, no, you, you do. You know, you, there's still sometimes struggles in your life. You still need help, absolutely. But you know you've been changed. Let me show you my, my experience of that. I remember I came from a church that didn't really talk about this very much or at all. And so I've been on a journey while I've been at Destiny, um, understanding what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. I remember being uh, challenged on you know, things like speaking in tongues and, and desiring these sorts of things that I wasn't used to. And I remember like, some people come to the fore and they get prayed for, hands laid on, their, they experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't actually my experience. I was by myself on my bed, lying down, praying. I remember praying like, God, like this, 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 just going through my list. Like, I'm sure I'm the, I'm the one that does that. But actually, I was like, God, I'm fed up of that. What do you want? What, what have you got for me? And I remember just a really warm sensation from the, the bottom of my toes, right up, right through my body. And I just started speaking this random words it felt like about 30 seconds later I was like oh that's like speaking in tongues I was like, oh that's what they must talk about and so and then sort of since then I've been understanding and oh how does you know the baptist went on I trying to understand it a little bit more but I didn't understand it fully then but I experienced that and that was it by myself um, and so I feel like since then I can look back and there was a notice that I, I know that happened so I remember the change in the experience of that. So it's not a mystical thing. There is evidence. And I think the Holy Spirit works in our lives whether we're aware of it or not. But every time the Bible talks about the work of the Holy Spirit, it's usually referring to activity. Believers are aware of it. So there are about, I think it's about five descriptions in Acts, in the book of Acts, uh, all explicit descriptions of receiving the Holy Spirit and their experiential and so this is something that you can experience today. Maybe you're thinking, I'm too messy, too broken for all this. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is holy. And thinking about your week, thinking about my week, not felt very holy. How could he possibly want to baptize me? How could he possibly be here in my life? Our sin has already been dealt with. The Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. And so the good news is that Jesus has removed the power of sin and death in our lives. And so it makes it possible to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even though we may view ourselves as sinners. We've been made new. God sees us as the righteousness of Christ. Still with me? Yeah, awesome. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift. Who enjoys getting gifts? Okay, cool, some of you, some of you don't, that's fine. So with a gift, you don't earn it. 
You, you, you can't earn it, otherwise it wouldn't be a gift. It'd be a reward. Uh, John 3, verse 34 says, For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. Jesus is generous. God loves to give. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave his one and only Son. And as Jesus gave himself on the cross for us, God also now gives himself to us by his Spirit. God is a giver. He's not stingy. God is not Scottish. Amen. <laughs> and so this is what all the gospel is about, the gift of God. Um, and so what do we call this undeserved gift, this undeserved favor? What do we call it? What do we call it? Grace. And my journey as a Christian is that I am ever more thankful over and over again for amazing grace. I think the longer I'm a Christian, the more I understand I need it. And so the baptism in the spirit is a gift. It's not an achievement. You've not earned a a promotion to the next level. Nobody is superior to anybody else just because God baptizes them with the spirit. There's no room in our thinking or for talk of that, that there's some sort of two tiers of Christianity. So maybe that's how you felt but it's not true. There are not different classes of Christians. This gift is for everyone, even if you haven't collected it yet. Ephesians 1 verse uh, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. See, we are sitting at the table of the king. We're all equal. There's a level playing field. And so for us, our role in this is that we receive this gift. Did you know that today is a gift? Because it's the present? Uh, oh dear. Um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, uh, Peter is preaching at Pentecost and the Jews are like, wow, we've crucified the Messiah. What, what must we do? And Peter replies to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift. Uh, You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For Peter, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit was separate from salvation. And receiving is a choice that we make. Receiving is, you know, receiving a gift is awesome. Uh, We enjoy getting gifts for birthdays, for Christmas. Um, Why do we like gifts? Because we, we know that we're loved. I got this uh, jumper a few weeks ago for my birthday. It's pretty cool. Scotland rugby top. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But I didn't expect it. Did I deserve it? Not really. But you see, some of the times the best gifts are ones that we don't deserve or expect. And so if I get handed the, the package, you know, with this jumper in, it's wrapped up really nicely and things and... Before I even open it, I'm like, oh, how much is it? <laughs> what? Where did you get it? What? And so Emily got this for me. And how would she feel if I just asked all those questions before even opening it? She's like, do you want it? I'll take it back right now. <laughs> and so receiving a gift, when, when we're thinking of things like the gift of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, are we thinking, oh, I've got all these, I don't really want to actually. 
we don't manipulate God into giving, saying, oh, can I get some fancy prayer? To, we, what we do, we outstretch our hands. It's the posture of our heart that makes the difference. You know, receiving a gift from a friend is really easy. We, here you go, thank you. Yeah? How does it work with God? It's the posture of our heart that makes the difference. I think having a, an attitude of gratitude affects your ability to receive. And I believe that as you cultivate a, a heart, a, a soil in your heart of thanksgiving, it makes room for seeds of faith to be planted and we're ready to receive whatever he's got for us. I've heard some people think, ask questions like, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. <laughs> really? Are you so proud? I'm probably fine without it, but if he wants to, sure. It's like asking all those questions before even opening the gift. You know, that's not maybe what we'd say or pray, but maybe that's what's going on here. The question is, do you think your asking has anything to do with it? I think it does. James chapter four, verse two and three, it says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We also see asking in Luke chapter 11, talking about the Holy Spirit. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, only sons can ask for the Spirit. Only God's children who can come into the throne room and ask him for his spirit. And so the purpose of this gift is not about you. You know, it's not just to, to make you feel better. And it, it might, but ultimately the being baptized with the spirit is that Jesus is glorified through the spirit in you. It's all about Jesus. Jesus gives the spirit so that our hearts, not just our heads, We'll give him praise. So why wouldn't you want that? It's a gift from God. I'm fine without it. I don't get that. So Jesus has a gift for you, the baptism of the Spirit. He wants to baptize you. That's why he came. That was the prophecies pointing to us, that he is the one who will baptize with the Spirit. Do you want it? Are you thirsty? And so let's talk a bit about our roadblock. Our roadblock. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is supernatural. Like, there's not really any getting around it. It's a supernatural experience. And there's two things that we don't like as humans. The unknown and change. That's two things that our hearts struggle with. You know, when we don't understand something, we, we get defensive, we withdraw. Last time I was up here, we were talking about mental health and depression. And the, the, one of the reasons why there's so much stigma around that is that we don't understand it. So, so we don't know what to say, we don't know how to react. You know, so people who are from different backgrounds to us, different family situations, different addictions, different, different things that, that from different areas of the world that maybe you hear on the news about you know, illegal immigrants and you, you don't actually know any. And so... You know, if you spoke to someone in that situation, if you heard their story, if you love them unconditionally, your heart would change. I guarantee that. 
understanding and knowing helps. And so when we're talking about the supernatural, we need to address this, the elephant in the room. It makes us nervous. It makes me nervous. And I'm telling you that. Anyway. But I can be so cynical. It's Scotland, and it's sunny outside, and it will rain later. <laughs> like, I can't get Like, that is my mindset. You know, I've heard there's a few weeks of sunshine coming. <laughs> I'll see it. When I see it, I'll believe it. So if I'm offered something free, I've got to ask, what's the catch? It's my first reaction. It's not that I plan to say that sort of thing. It's like, oh, there's a reaction in me. I don't trust anyone who talks about money. You know, I think if we're honest, that we maybe do this a little bit with God when we come to the supernatural. The supernatural for Christians really should be super and natural because our God, his natural is the supernatural. So cynicism creeps in when something challenges our social norm or our uh, cultural expectations. And so my cynicism is something that I've had to wrestle with recently and also in the past to work through and repent from. The problem is not at God's end. The problem's at my end, on our end. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. So we have to be really careful not to, to package God up in a box this is what I expect from God. Let's have hearts that are open, grateful for who he is and what he has for us. So what attitudes are we carrying in our souls that restricts our openness to him? Is our mindset and our way of thinking restricting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And maybe we're getting a wee bit deeper. Let's get slightly deeper. And if some of us are really honest, we... We don't want to experience God. It'll unsettle us. It will change us for, for, the be- for your benefit and for the best. But it'll probably be pretty uncomfortable. And we like our comfort. So are you aware of something that's holding you back? Maybe it's cynicism. Previous disappointment. You've prayed for something and it's not happened. And now there's sort of a, a guard up in your heart now. Maybe it's just the fear of the unknown. I don't know what to expect. Maybe it's a past hurt. We, we change when we encounter God. But you know what? It's worth it. Let's allow God to do what he wants to do in this place. So let's learn to be self-aware, understand our hearts, our, our attitudes and what we're carrying and let God work on them. Give us heart surgery. And it requires a, a step of trust in God, a step of faith. And so my appeal, if this, any of that sort of speaks to you, then we must learn to accept our limitations in our understanding. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's talking about a difference between our head and our our heart. Let's trust him with our heart. When we get a gift, when we receive that gift, we don't always know what's in it until we open it. And so we choose to exercise our trust in God by receiving. You know, we, we may still have questions. That's okay. Receive it. See, your questions aren't a problem. God can handle your questions. The question is, what is the attitude with those questions? Are you trusting him? 
And so let's learn to trust God because he knows the best for us. Our focus must be on Jesus and he has the baptism in the spirit for you. Uh, E.W. Kenyon, who's written a lot on things like the baptism in the spirit, says we must not forget for one moment that the great mighty spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the person who gave to the world its vegetation, that mighty one is living in us. For it is God who's at work within us and working his own good pleasure. If one accustomed themselves to trust in God, as we trust in the money that is in our pocketbook, in our wallet, as we trust in our car when it's filled with oil and gas, what mighty men and women would walk the earth? So if there was any greatness in the disciples, it wasn't they had good ability. It wasn't that they'd learned lots of stuff. It was their openness to the spirit. So we've had a couple of signposts from, you know, from the Old Testament and from baptism that points to Jesus. You know, we have this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we receive from him. And I hope that this fills our, our hearts with faith, with, with love, with joy. And maybe we've begun to pick away at some of the roadblocks that may hold us back. So let me give you some applications. How do we live this out? Okay, the first one is be refreshed. John 7, verse 38 to 39 says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom the who believed, those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, how is your river? Are you feeling defeated, drained, tired? fearful? Do you want things to turn around? As you read the Bible, you sort of, I'm not, not getting anything. I can't see Jesus. Then you need to be refreshed with the Holy Spirit. If you're struggling, the question to really ask ourselves is, who, whose power are we, whose effort are we relying on to live life? Is it our own effort? Or is it the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit? Jim Zimbala, who's a pastor in New York, says that he, is, he, talking about the Holy Spirit, is the only experience we can have of God Almighty. The only way that we can have the work of Jesus Christ applied to our lives and the only way we can understand God's word. Without the Holy Spirit, we are like the disciples before Pentecost. Sincere, but struggling with confusion and defeat. And so as we, we need to allow time for this. Intimacy takes time. Time to listen Time to enjoy his presence. Intimacy cannot be rushed. A few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to be uh, off work for a couple of weeks and I was able to go away for like a retreat thing uh, over a weekend and it was amazing. I turned off my phone and it was just me and God. And actually sometimes we need those moments. Whatever that looks like for you, it'll look different for each of us. But whatever you can do to reach that point of, okay, me and God, allow him to refresh me. Why? I'm too busy. Why would I make time for that? John 6, verse 63 says that the Spirit gives life. Do you want life? Allow him to give you it. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. God's word will bring you life. The Bible will speak to you as the Spirit speaks through it to you. Not just to your head. We can learn lots of things, but actually we need it in our hearts. That's where it makes the difference. It's to allow God's presence to be something that we live in, not just a one-off experience. So our greatest need is to see Jesus, 
who he is, magnificent, awesome, of so much better worth than anything else. That's what we need, and the Spirit will help us as we take time to be refreshed. Secondly, analyze your heart. Maybe there's something, there's a the blockage in your heart, and this is something for us all. None of us are perfect. None of our attitudes are perfect. Uh, I'm not there yet. So take a moment, take, an, take some time to take stock of your attitudes. How is every part of your life, is it devoted to making Jesus known? Are we fully, fully living in line with the Spirit? Are you holding on to something, something from the past, bitterness, cynicism, hurt? Thirdly, choose to become a life giver. This, isn't, this, is, this whole message is not about Jesus baptizing the Spirit so that we can get something, but also so that we can give life. See, you are blessed to be a blessing, to allow God to work through you. Uh, Jesus used uh, Isaiah 61 as his sort of purpose statement for being here. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. See, Jesus was filled. The spirit came and rested and remained on him for a purpose. He was anointed to make a difference. And so as the spirit comes and baptizes us, as we change, he does the same with us, that we're anointed to go and make a difference, to carry out the great commission, to make a difference in our workplaces, in our lives, to overflow with life. See, witnessing and evangelism is sharing our faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. It's not up to us to try and force something, trying to make something happen. We simply rest and trust in him. And that allows us to be no longer insecure, but to speak and to love confidently. And the fourth application is this. Receive, be, be baptized in the Spirit. If you've never experienced the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, as we start the next song, there'll be leaders at the front and you can come forward and be prayed for for that. You can stay where you want and just simply receive where you are. That's okay as well. This is between you and God. This is something that I believe Jesus has for you. So in conclusion, Jesus has told his disciples it was better for them to have the invisible Holy Spirit in them than it was to have the physical Jesus with them. Jesus gives us power and confidence as he baptizes us with his Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point you to Jesus. It's all about him. And that's why we can receive this gift of the Spirit so that we can know Jesus better. So this is John the Baptist's purpose, to point people to Jesus. And this is our purpose here in Edinburgh, to point people to Jesus. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, on the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world, then we experience change and we receive all that he has for us. And let's pray together. I'm going to take a moment just to respond. Maybe there's something been going on in your week. Uh, and you want to bring it before God in this, in this space, in this time. Bring that before him to pray, to ask God, to receive something. Do you need strength? Do you need hope? Allow God to minister that to your heart right now. Maybe you, you want, you've never experienced it, but you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ask him for it. 
Maybe you want to take a moment to sort of analyze where your heart is at. That's okay now. Maybe you've never, you know, made this step to to have this relationship with God, to become a Christian, to follow Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He is so worth giving everything to follow. And so but maybe you've never done that before and you want to do that today and I want to help you with that. I want to, I'm going to pray a prayer and you can use it as your own words uh, to pray to God. Uh, but this is, if this is the first time you've ever prayed this, then just take a moment to pray this along with me. And you feel this stirring in your heart to do this. You don't have to understand everything. It's a step of trust. It's a step of faith. So pray this with me if this is you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that even though I have this sin in my life, you came to take it away. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that I can experience new life in you because of your resurrection. Give me this gift of your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you from this day on. Amen.